I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Seriously, the podcast from the New Statesman that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week, we're going to be talking about Harry Styles' new song, Sign of the Times, and the horror film, Raw. We've also tried the HBO show This Is Us for the first time, so we'll be talking about how that went later in the show. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to Seriously. We've got another event in the pipeline. Our previous events have been about Gilmore Girls and Harry Potter big shows, big books, things we all love. We're now going for a bit of a cult hit for our next event, which is Twin Peaks. On the 9th of May, you can head down to our regular venue, the Book Club in Shoreditch, East London, and test your knowledge of all things Twin Peaks. It's going to be another quiz. And we've obviously scheduled it to coincide with the revival of Twin Peaks, which is happening in May as well. So any of you who are excited about that third season, i do not 100% sure what they're calling it, uh, but the revival of Twin Peaks uh, should definitely come down and get involved. It'll be a great night. So tickets for that are going to go on sale tomorrow, hopefully, as you're listening to this on a Tuesday. So Wednesday, the 12th of April at midday the link will go live from seriouslypod.com forward slash events but we'll also be tweeting and facebooking about it so make sure you're following us there so you don't miss out please come yay so we've had some emails as we often do we've got an email here from hannah who gets in touch about 13 reasons why which is something we talked about last week there's also a great piece on the new statesman website about 13 reasons why at the mm. moment by neha shah about the fact that it's kind of a bit misjudged in terms of its presentation of teen suicide but it's a very good read but anyway hannah gets in touch to say that she started watching 13 reasons why this weekend and while quite a different genre it's reminding her a lot of an inspector calls she says hannah seems to me like a contemporary eva smith a symbolic victim of the pressures and injustices is faced in this case by teenage girls with the tapes and clay acting as inspector ghoul forcing the other players to face the consequences of their actions hypocrisies and privilege which i think is a really good analysis i actually don't know an inspector cool so i'm not the person to to say whether how correct that is but it seems really insightful to me i have sort of half memories of it from studying it at school and from what i remember it is a good comparison in that an inspector calls is a play with a lot of uncertainty for the audience and gradual revelation which is what what 13 Reasons Why specialises in mm. and you know you only find out things as quickly as Clay finds them out that kind of thing so yeah interesting parallel thank you Hannah thank you we've had a really sweet email from Amy who gets in touch to point out that one can purchase Hamilton cross stitch 
patterns on Etsy, which is adorable. And the particular one that she highlights is the incredibly poignant immigrants, we get the job done. If you're familiar with Hamilton lyrics, you will know that, you know, that has become a really emblematic point from it. So now you can make a little cross stitch sampler of it. So yeah, we'll tweet out the link to that. It's really sweet. So the first thing we're going to talk about this week is, you might have guessed this, Sign of the Times, the debut solo single from Harry Styles, the angel-haired, floral-clad, sweet prince of One Direction. Referencing classic rock from the Rolling Stones to Oasis, it's lyrically concerned with a vague sense of apocalypse. So stop your crying. It's the sign of the times. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so this came out on Friday of last week, much anticipated, of course, by fans worldwide and just the general music-interested population. And I don't know, it was kind of like sort of what I expected from Harry, I think, because it was neither, you know, the full on glittery, feminine, androgynous camp anthem that a certain camp of Harry Styles fans really want to see, nor was it sort of the Kings of Leon cover, fedora wearing, guitar strumming, X Factor bland male that you could imagine that was my worst fear basically (laughs) happening it kind of sat somewhere in the middle which is sort of what you'd expect i think maybe from his if you're if you're very interested in harry styles and his brand yes i think it was maybe slightly more unexpected for the less well-informed listener Mm -hmm. so for people who you know just know that harry styles was in one direction and that one direction were a massive band and who maybe witnessed Zayn Malik's debut solo album mm-hmm. in which as we discussed previously on this podcast was basically just Zayn telling us that he'd had sex over and over <laughs> again and that you know he was like cool and edgy and not at all like that guy that was in a boy band <laughs> so maybe people might have expected something similarly distancing from Harry like being like yeah I was in one direction but now I'm this guy yeah and it c- could seem very distancing I think if you say you're familiar with like that's what makes you beautiful and live while we're young mm. and kiss you and those are the sort of only One Direction songs you know and they're very very bubblegum then this probably does seem like quite a bit of de- a departure but those One Direction albums that came out you know every year like Clockwork became more and more kind of classic rock influenced until yes. Made in the AM which was a very classic rock influence piece and there is a, a great article by Brodie Lancaster about this um, on Vulture that she wrote at the time of the album releasing and it's very much just like oh here's some Robbie Williams here's some Oasis here's some Beatles here's some you know Bowie it's it's all over the place in terms of its classic rock influences definitely yeah and so we should also shout out a listener to the pod Laura Snapes who has been on before to talk about Gilmore Girls she now has her own podcast Unbreak My Chart and She and her co-host Fraser were saying on that that Robbie Williams is maybe actually a constructive comparison for Harry Styles in someone who was in a mega boy band was the kind of breakout star. Yeah, had the charisma. Yeah, had the image even pre-going solo and then went solo in a slightly unexpected fashion they pointed out that Robbie Williams despite obviously Angels and stuff being his best known song his actually his first solo release was a George Michael cover in which he just tried to be George Michael. Is that the freedom? Yeah. Yeah. Not great. (laughs) But I think I was really scared of him sort of doing, because I think I like a lot of Robbie Williams music, don't get me wrong. And I also think he did that weird sort of slightly apocalyptic thing Mm. with, what's that song where he's like, I don't want to die. That one. What that's <laughs> Another one you mean? Though, yeah. yeah. Got some weird name beginning with E, but I can't remember. I was a bit scared that Harry was going to go in a 90s 
mm. early noughties what Robbie Williams vein because obviously we're not we, we've moved on musically we don't want to be at that point still and when I was listening I'm sure like a lot of people I was listening to Radio 1 when I first heard this song because this song debuted on Radio 1 at 8am on Friday Harry Styles pre-recording an interview with Nick Grimshaw so I was sat there I got to my desk at 8am have you ever known me to get to my desk before 8am I I will admit I was a bit surprised as to why you were at work before me on a Friday yeah I literally got to work so early because I didn't want my travel to interrupt the listening Um, but I also didn't want to be really late so came in very early and yeah while I was listening with my heart in my mouth to those very very first opening chords it's that piano like and it is the beginning of angels like you Mm. you almost expect to hear Harry go ah sit and wait and you're like (laughs) I was like oh no no but then it like changed obviously as it went on I'm glad that it's not that straightforward piano ballad Mm. which was what I was kind of fearing in the first few seconds of the song and i really like it as a song Mm. i actually just spent the last 45 minutes listening to it on repeat while i was working and i like it more every time like it surprises me on every listen with how the shift from the verse into the chorus like still gives me a feeling every time i listen to it Mm. and the way he just sings so well on it as well yeah i think that is the main strength of this record is that just the vocals are great harry's voice evolved so much Mm. in the years that he was in one direction it's actually like almost comical to listen to his voice at the beginning versus at the end because obviously he was so young when he started and his voice becomes so much deeper just Mm. from the start that's one major observation but it it has a different tone it becomes a lot edgier it does become like a lot more kind of gristly and gritty and it sounds great on this record and you can tell that he's someone who's just spent his whole life singing because he's got this amazing falsetto Mm. and there's so much emotion in everything that he's saying he's really like giving it his all and I do think that's the the main strength of this song for me the song could have been I agree with kind of that camp of Harry Styles fans that really wants to see him almost do a 1975 androgynous thing yeah and I would love to see him it was it felt like quite like heterosexual for want of a better word (laughs) Uh, I would like to see it a a, a little less heterosexual but I do think yeah it's a really great start certainly it's so interesting and it gives me real hope for the next 20 years of his career as well Mm, I hope so I'm so nervous (laughs) that he made these decisions for you know obviously his like opening musical statement as a solo artist yeah really makes me look forward to what he's going to decide to do in the future because I I trust now that it's not always going to be what everyone expects yeah one thing I am slightly worried about and again this was raised by Lauren Fraser is actually how successful this individual song will be in chart terms because we are still experiencing the Ed Sheeran domination I don't know you know can Harry Styles even in his kind of heterosexual rock (laughs) character you know is he going to be played widely enough or is it going to be super popular amongst One Direction people and then not cross out of that at all it's a good question I guess it depends that varied so much with One Direction records where you'd have like some that were just super super fan driven hits like No Control Mm. that actually did really well but in a contained way from fan downloads you know it was never released as a proper single but then you did get tracks by them that just did so well in like Kiss You something Mm. like that that just was super popular enough people are interested in Harry for this to get the the base number of listens that it needs to be super Mm. super popular but whether or not it's you know catchy enough 
hit is another question can we talk about the music video for yes, this song let's... which isn't out yet but there were i don't know if you saw any of these snaps of harry shooting the video yes i did internet. yeah so he's like in some field i think somewhere in the uk in like a gucci coat with like a massive <laughs> hole cut in the back suspended on like you know like a big i don't know what they call those harnesses that you like strap people into to bring them up in the air in one of those and he's yeah just like floating in the air in a field in the countryside and i don't know what's gonna go in this video but he's flying and i'm really stressed and really excited why are you stressed i think it looks brilliant it does look brilliant but it took one direction fans about three minutes to be like oh my god it's harry poppins and like give him <laughs> an umbrella and a bag <laughs> so it could be pretty comical um and also did you see the stunt double He's got yes, a oh, that was terrifying. With, like, with a horrific face. <laughs> with a sort of, yeah, ho- horrific, uh, what would you call it? Like kind of plasticine Harry Styles face yeah. on top of their actual was face. Was it like a mask? I couldn't tell. I think it was like a kind of prosthetic face that mm-hmm. had been like glued on because you couldn't really see the transition at the hairline and stuff. And there's was... only one picture, so it might just be like a really bad angle, but it mm. looks like the person has like black eyes, which is like quite scary. Yeah, so really funny. I am really excited for that. I like the idea of seeing Harry Styles flying around in the air singing really, really seriously and really, mm. really emotively. It's going to be great. And um, we've got no date right yet for a Harry album. No date for a Harry album. And some people thought it was going to be the 14th, so this Friday. Yeah. But I just can't see that happening. I just mm. think it would be too weird. But we do get to see him in Dunkirk. Yes. Not very in long. June? Yeah, this summer, isn't it? Yeah, which is I'm so looking forward to it. My boyfriend keeps making jokes where he's like, oh, you go, you want to go see Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk? I didn't didn't think you were that into like war movies. <laughs> didn't Doesn't really seem like your bag. And I'm like, yeah, all right, whatever. Yes, I'm really ex- fucking excited about it. I, I didn't think I was that excited. And then I think I saw the trailer before, you know, another film I'd been to see. And I actually involuntarily squealed out loud when the camera panned onto him. Hot soldier <laughs> Harry. Oh my God. And like... As someone who is like 110% pro Harry with long hair mm. and like really hates the overly short hair. Um, though at the moment he looks like he did in 2013. It's really creepy. He looks so young. Yeah. Did you see any of the pictures from Radio 1? Yeah, He's I got did. like his old hair from five years his ago. His old swoopy hair, yeah. yeah. Ah, so scary. But in the in the movie, he's got this sort of like short soldierish hair. And although I'm not into it in general, I'm super into it when he's in the uniform and everything. And it's like, oh my God, can't wait for you to die and for me to cry a thousand horny tears. Now we're going to talk about Raw, which is the debut feature film from director and screenwriter Julia Ducournau. It follows lifelong vegetarian Justine, played by Garance Marillier, as she follows her older sister to veterinary college, where she has to take part in an initiation ritual that involves eating raw rabbit kidney. Soon after, she starts experiencing strange desires for meat and even human flesh. You can tell from the description, it's a kind of gross movie. (laughs) Yeah, this is a Certificate 18 horror movie, which is maybe a bit 
out of our normal you know movie style but we thought we'd push ourselves a bit mm. and yeah i have to say being in the cinema i realized i don't really go and see 18 rated movies very often because even the trailers i was like oh my god that man's head just blew right up when i saw inside so that was a bit of like whoa for me but then the actual movie itself it is violent although if i remember rightly on the certificate at the front it's not really rated 18 for violence per se as more like gore it says in one of the advisory notes it says like for wound close-ups right yeah there's plenty of those and there's a lot of sort of dark blood oozing Mm. and being licked and all sorts of things so it's one of those movies that's like quite stylized almost coming of age movie about like a skinny brunette who has a sort of desire deep in her eyes that occasionally lights up And I feel like we see lots of movies in that vein, just not lots of movies in that vein, which also include cannibalism. Yeah, it is also in French, we should say. So it's it's subtitled. Not that I found that to be any impediment to enjoying or finding it fascinating. I also think it's brilliant. For me, it falls into that kind of group of films that are about teenage sexual awakening that use some some sort of violence as like a metaphor for sexual Mm. desire which seems to happen a lot in films about female sexual awakening and that almost fear of female sexuality that paints it as like a real a really violent Mm. awakening in a young person and you see films that play with this really well and i i as much mentioned on the podcast but i love the falling by carol morley for this yes and there are some parallels you can make I think between the, these two films even though The Falling I don't think there's even any blood really in The Falling maybe a tiny bit occasionally no but there is a implicit atmosphere of violence yeah and there is the kind of various abuse storylines and stuff as well in it which I think contribute to that mm-hmm. and I think my sort of reservation about a film like Raw is how much is it like playing with expectations about female sexuality mm. and how much is it is it sort of scared by female sexuality and I think for the most part it falls into the, the former category but those are my slight sort of like things that my brain is like worrying about when I'm in the cinema. It is stylized in that way as well I found say the opening third of it really interesting from a kind of cinematography point of view mm-hmm. like there's this amazing scene near the beginning where Justine's been dropped off at university by her parents. She's meant to be met by her older sister, but her older sister doesn't turn up. She is in this incredibly like brutalist concrete mm. halls building. It's an amazing setting. And she gets woken up in the middle of the night by older students all wearing their lab coats and all they all get like hustled downstairs. Wearing, and balaclavas. And They're balaclavas, really scary yeah. Wearing their pajamas. They trash her room, they trash everything, and they all get like herded downstairs and to start with you're like what is happening and then you realize that it's the beginning of a week-long initiation Mm -hmm. in this college and various scary things happen and then they end up at this massive rave in the basement of the tower block I think and like the way the camera like follows the dancing bodies around and stuff it's so so clever and interesting and actually in some parts reminded me of Victoria Mm -hmm. that German film we really liked last year I didn't think of that, but that's a good comparison. I love the shot just before that as well. So just bef- when you're still sort of like, is this, this going to end in a really horrible, violent mm. experience for this girl when she's being guided to this rave by these people in balaclavas? They make them crawl and there's yeah. this shot of them all crawling on the floor towards this rave and it's maybe in slow motion or maybe they're just moving really slowly. I c- couldn't quite tell. And they look so animalistic and it is a really stylized shot and then 
they're all at a party and they all stand up and it sort of suddenly goes into kind of more much more normal party mode things like that are where the beauty and the creepiness comes into this film yes and then you get that throughout actually the way it's shot showing you the beauty of something that you're also disgusted by Mm -hmm. so there's quite a lot of like because they're veterinary students so you know they have to dissect animals and stuff so you'll see like an upturned animal carcass on a table but the way it's been set up in the camera it looks like a still life or something it looks incredible Mm. um which is kind of arresting but then this film also has its disgusting moments i think i said to you after i'd seen it that i found myself like involuntarily retching a few times Mm -hmm. during it because justine quite quickly you know after this horrible initiation where she has to like down a rabbit kidney she suddenly starts having all these like physical changes she gets what looks like really severe like eczema or psoriasis yeah, I actually suddenly feel the desire to scratch myself like, yeah as soon as you said that <laughs> she gets like yeah a kind of skin complaint suddenly all over her and then she finds herself like throwing up hair yeah there's a scene a really horrible scene where she's like talking to is it a tutor or something i can't quite remember talking to someone about her academic progress and he's sort of saying oh you're you think you're a straight a student but like i'm not here to sympathize with you and then she's chewing on her hair which is something that people do sort of do nervously even though like the thought of it makes me feel gross i i think even i used to like suck on my hair as like a nervous kid so she's like chewing on her hair but like eating her hair Mm. and she's already started like you know licking someone's blood and like she's she's had an experience some experience of cannibalism by this point and she's just eating her own hair and then we cut to a scene of her in the bathroom just like retching for like three minutes and like puking up bits of hair and it is so grim (laughs) it's so disgusting but what's so clever about this film is that so you get all of that really visceral disgusting Mm. stuff and then she comes out of the bathroom stool and another girl comes up to her and she says two fingers will make it come up faster next time obviously jumping to the conclusion that she's bulimic or whatever and trying to sympathize oddly yeah and then and she like smiles and plays with her own hair in the mirror and it's definitely like a comedic moment yes. but it's also a bit like oh shit like cannibalism is is obviously grim but like the reality of being a teenage girl is grim too and, exactly like, that's what that moment tells you and yeah. also i read an interview with the writer director where she said that she's been asked a lot in the publicity for this film you know was she making some kind of vegetarian manifesto and she's like no i wanted to make a film about bodies and particularly about female bodies mm. and that chimes so much with that moment and there's lots of sort of moments in this where you get like a strange jump to comedy mm. And I don't want to spoil the ending, but I found the tone of the ending like a sudden punchline. They give you a sudden last minute reveal said with a kind of jokey line and then they cut to the title card in the same way at the beginning you set, you get like a really violent moment and it cuts to the title card and it's this like very punchy sudden jump. And I, I've, yeah, I, at the end I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I remember when people talked about like a really jarring anal sex joke at the end of that film, The Kingsman or something, which I didn't actually see. No, I didn't see it either. And then and then it was like the end of the movie and you're suddenly <laughs> like, wait, what was that joke? What? That's the kind of feeling I had was like, oh shit, was that like serious? Or am I being laughed at by the people who made this film? <laughs> I really liked it and I really liked its aesthetic and I really liked some of the points it was making. And it weirdly reminded me of the Lord song, Glory and Gore, mm. where she sings about a group 
group of teenagers all fighting each other, but are they really fighting themselves? Blah, blah, blah. And I think the setup of this film about the very competitive, very, I don't know what the word is for like a, a kind of claustrophobic atmosphere where there's lots of kind of like daring each other to do things and like peer mm. pressure and, but that sort of environment that can be quite violent and quite toxic almost but can also be quite liberating and quite empowering for young people that are like trying to find themselves and that's how the veterinary school is sort of set up in this movie i think yeah the university looks terrifying just yeah for many many ways beyond the cannibalism thing yeah i would quit <laughs> <laughs> i would definitely never go there far too scary i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's a humming in the rest of summer air And we're slipping off the course that we prepared But in all chaos there is calculation Dropping glasses just to hear them break You've been drinking like the world was gonna end Took a shine from a fist of your best friend It's clear that someone's gotta go We mean it but I promise we're not mean And the cry goes out So last week, we had a little look in the recommends bin, and I settled on This Is Us, which is an American drama starring Milo Ventimiglia, the love of my life, Jess Mariano from Gilmore Girls, looking more handsome than ever, Mandy Moore, a bunch of other cool actors, and it's kind of a low-key family drama. I've seen a few episodes, Caroline. I watched the first one this week. Okay, so I think the first episode is actually really interesting when it comes to This Is Us. So if you haven't seen This Is Us, you should definitely go away and watch the first episode and then come back and listen to our thoughts on it because there is kind of a, I don't want to say a twist, but there is a moment 
in that first episode where you start to realize something that you didn't realize before and I think that's a really nice moment to have when you're watching this show so I sort of don't want to spoil it for anyone I was actually kind of irritated by it oh no um not the show but the the reveal the reveal so just spoiler filled explainer of what we're talking about the show starts with this sort of white text on black screen about people having the same birthdays and are their lives linked in any way and then Mm -hmm. you get these apparently unconnected little scenes with a series of different characters one of which is Jess and Mandy Moore you know she's super pregnant with their triplets and about to have babies it's the cutest scene ever another is a really overweight woman like struggling with her food issues another is very successful like black businessman Mm -hmm. discovering who his birth father is you know really engaging and interesting scenes but you're totally fooled by the initial premise that the show is set up for you is that these people all coincidentally have the same birthday and now you're being shown their stories yeah and you you're under the impression because there's nothing to imply anything different that you're watching all these people probably on the on the same day yes and on- that they're all set on on the same day in the same year at the same time and from various contextual clues like, for instance, the businessman character, you see him like using a computer and sitting in a glass-walled office. So from various contextual clues, you're like, oh, okay, this is a contemporary drama. This is set mm-hmm. now. And then about three minutes from the end, when the Milo Ventimiglia storyline, they've suffered a serious tragedy of one of their triplets hasn't survived the birth, and they've decided to adopt a third kid. This is a point where you're like is this how adoption laws work yeah that part you're like "Mm, okay because they're just like there are two we have two babies from this birth and there's like a third baby here and we'll just we'll just it was just brought in today and we'll just take it (laughs) yeah we'll just add that one uh and he's standing like looking through the glass at the nursery and there are these three babies in cots and the policeman who's brought in the abandoned third child just like offers him a cigarette Mm. and you're like what it's a hospital there are babies and then you're like oh it's the 70s yeah or it kind of zooms out and you get like much more people's outfits and like they did look pretty 70s the whole way through but you kind of thought in like a hipster vintage way (laughs) yes exactly that's what you assume it is and you know it was all done very carefully in that the characters were shown to have like just moved into the house so they hadn't decorated it at all Mm -hmm. so you couldn't see any interior design clues that would tell you that they were into brown crochet Mm -hmm. and yeah that scene then zooms out and you see you know 70s branding and just suddenly Mm -hmm. you're like oh this is in the past and those were the grown-up babies we were watching yeah because i think basically so the three plot lines you get are you, you have these three kids One's this woman who's really struggling with the fact that she's overweight and that's basically the the main thrust of her plotline that you get. Then you get this guy who's like a famous actor, but he's in The Manny, which is a program about a male nanny and he wants to be a serious actor. And then you get the businessman. Then there's been much talk in the in the woman's plotline about her brother. She wants to see her brother. Her brother's been, she's got missed calls from her brother, mm. blah, blah, blah. The Manny has mentioned a sister in his plotline. So then you cut from the 70s scene and you get those two siblings together and you're like, oh shit, they're siblings that's the modern day those babies were all all have the same birthday because they were all literally born on the same day in the same hospital this guy is obviously the adopted third triplet and it all falls into place 
And I, I don't know, I kind of really liked that moment because I like that you get to see the parents when they were young and the like bringing up of this family at the same time as you see where it led them in their lives, being brought up in that specific family. Yeah, I liked all of that and I was engaged by all of the characters. What annoyed me was the keeping it a secret. You felt like you'd been tricked yeah, into watching like a different been, programme. I felt like I'd been tricked by showrunners who think they're cleverer than they are. Yeah. <laughs> because I was like, I would watch your show if you just laid told me it, what it was. Told me what it was and like laid it out in a normal <laughs> way. You've gone to enormous lengths here to conceal something that didn't need concealing. I think probably so that people would write think pieces about it. Yeah, well, I felt weirdly like that about Gone Girl. Mm, the yeah. twist in Gone Girl really annoyed me because I was like, hang on, you just lied to me. That's yeah. not clever. You just literally lied. Yes, that's kind of how I felt. Because <laughs> like, if you'd actually shot this in a normal way, I would have realised immediately. Yeah. And I don't think I would have done. I don't know. I found it like quite subtle and good but i also sympathize with your frustration because i have had it with other cultural things but despite that i think i am going to keep watching on the basis that i thought the writing in the actual scenes was really strong Mm. and i'm particularly interested in the overweight woman storyline she seems really interesting you don't get much of her other than her weight in that first episode which is which is a shame but as it as it goes on you definitely do get a lot more of her and her her what her life is about yeah she was the one who i was like i want to know more about you yeah so yeah i will keep watching but with the slight grumpiness that they fooled me pause just to discuss how fit my event amelia is in this program yeah i mean so handsome initially it's hard to tell it's him behind all the beard i love the beard <laughs> i'm so but into the beard once i'd got adjusted my eyes to the beard yes definitely. and he's like playing a very sweet concerned father Mm. he does do a very cheesy speech at one point which sort of made me smile not in the way that i was supposed to where the doctor's trying to give probably practical medical advice about the fact that it's a high-risk pregnancy there are triplets Mm. they might not all make it you know you might have to make some really difficult decisions about your wife's health versus your children's health and he's like no i i'm i'm leaving here with three babies i'm not even listening to you and i was like this is irresponsible. Yeah, yeah. He was like, I'm just not, I can't have this conversation. I'm not having this conversation. It's like, your wife might really like it if you had this conversation about whether or not you want to let her die. Like, that's, what, that's what I thought. I was like, you're in a position of responsibility here as you're about to be as a parent. Really get off to a good start by paying attention to what the medical <laughs> professional is telling you. <laughs> yeah, I do agree. And I'm pleased that in later episodes, they explore his like downfalls is he as a father he's mm-hmm. not spoiler alert you do know this i think from the first episode maybe not maybe it's revealed in the second episode but jack is not alive in the modern day storyline well you hear them talking wistfully about as dad always said so yeah. you you kind of infer from that yeah so although he is romanticized and kind of made this hero figure i think by a lot of the children you do get to see all his flaws. He is sometimes being a bit of a shit dad and a shit Mm. husband at points. And Mandy Moore's character is very much like, come on, help me. And I like that, that you get both this sort of romanticized hero figure and you also then get to go back and see the reality of it while still loving the character. So yeah, it's a fun show. Yeah, and it's definitely really thought-provoking as well. So good shout. So I've also been rummaging among the recommends and I have picked something for us to try for next week which is a podcast called My Favourite Murder. 
Oh, I feel like we talked about this very, very briefly. Yeah, we did. So when we did Missing Richard Simmons a few weeks ago, Ruth from Glasgow wrote in and said that our discussion about its sort of overproduced podcasty feel immediately made her think of my favourite murder. And she says, it's basically like listening to two cool friends talking about true crime the way loads of people do after listening to Serial or watching Making a Murderette. There's no background music or recorded interviews, just straight up interesting true crime stories told by two funny ladies. Yeah, amazing. That sounds very much our cup of tea. Yeah, so I'm excited to try this. I've been recommended it a few times off the pod as well, so definitely need to give it a go. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including iTunes, where you could also leave us a review. At our website, seriouslypod.com, you can find all our back episodes plus our specials on Home Alone, Gilmore Girls, Harry Potter, Love Actually and Friends. We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr. We're Seriously Pod on all of them. And don't forget that our Twin Peaks quiz goes on sale on the 12th of April at midday. So head over to seriouslypod.com forward slash events to get your tickets. We love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or just hearing your thoughts on what we've discussed. Get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com. And if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously, spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.